Morning, church. My name's John. I serve here as the executive pastor. It's a joy to preach this morning. It's always fun having the kids up on the platform. I love looking for the wild card. <laughs> One kid that's going to steal the show. I think this service, uh, we know who it was. <laughs> I, I work with him, uh, with his dad, every day. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Uh, anyway, lots of moving parts this morning, uh, carols and kids. It's a, it's a great season, isn't it? Christmas is a great time of year. This, uh, this Advent season, we're making our way through the beginning chapters of the book of Luke. We are looking at the songs that are offered in those early chapters, songs from Mary and songs from Zechariah. We'll look at Zechariah this morning. We're calling them songs of the Savior, and they reveal a lot of truth about uh, Christ and the promises that he's fulfilled and the, the feelings and the emotion uh, and the power of the season. So that's what we're looking at this morning. We'll be in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 uh, through 79 uh, this morning. It's Zechariah's song. If you want to turn there in your copy of the scriptures or find it on your phone, we'll get there in a moment. I don't know about you, but when I think of the Christmas story, I often think that it begins with Mary. That after 400 years of silence, God breaks through in this powerful, miraculous moment, sends the angel Gabriel down to earth, and Gabriel meets with Mary, and the silence is over, and the Christmas story, the the story of the birth of Christ, begins. But the truth is, the the Christmas story, and the the beginning of the Advent season, the, the beginning of the story of Christmas, doesn't start with Mary. The Christmas story starts with an old man. Scripture tells us that Zechariah was a very old man. Gray hair, long gray beard. Zechariah was a priest for the nation of Israel. He was married to Elizabeth, and Scripture describes them as being righteous people, holy people, following all the commands that God had given them. They lived in the Judean hillside, and each day Zechariah would make his way to the synagogue where he would offer blessings and prayers, and he would meet with people, and he would follow God's laws and God's commands, and he would teach the people and lead the people. After 400 years of silence, the Christmas story begins with this man, this man, Zechariah. Zechariah and Elizabeth had been married for some time, righteous, God-fearing, from the priestly line. From the day they were married, they were praying for a child, praying day after day, God, bring us a child, bring us an heir. They prayed and days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, months turned into years and still no child. Zechariah and Elizabeth's story is one of righteousness and following God, but also one full of heartache. The years turned into decades and still no child. 
early on, the people looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth and they wondered, was something wrong? Had they committed a sin? Were they, were they living in sin? Why wasn't God bringing them a child? This was a heavy weight, a heavy burden for them to carry, especially for Elizabeth. In that day and age, the, the role of a woman was to be a mother and to raise children. And Elizabeth was alone. She had no one. And yet Zechariah and Elizabeth, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their heartache, as they waited on God, they continued to live righteously, they continued to serve, and they continued to pray. I picture Zechariah shuffling to the synagogue and praying, even in his old age, Lord, would you do a miracle? Lord, provide me with a child. Provide me with an heir. As time went on, Zechariah made his way to the temple. As a part of his duties as a priest, he would, he would go to the temple on a regular basis following the, the Jewish calendar of feasts and festivals. We learned about that when we studied Deuteronomy just a few short weeks ago. Zechariah, on this morning, wakes up and he heads to the temple where he's going to serve a time during the feasts and festivals of serving the people. So he would be helping the people, uh, bringing offerings and doing sacrifices and worshiping together. The nation of Israel had grown so large that they had thousands of priests that would come. Thousands of priests ministering to the people, caring for the people, offering sacrifices. The priests were because there were so many, they were divided into divisions. Zechariah's division was called upon during this season to minister right at the temple. His division was there to, to do the, the ho most holy things that God had required. And there was this special task that God had assigned for a priest to do, and that was to go inside the temple, the holiest place, and light incense and burn a sweet smell to God. Well, the division's standing there and it's time to, to choose who will go in. And so they gathered and they gave each person a number and then they, they cast some lots on the ground and the, the number came up. It was Zechariah's number. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity had just fallen on his shoulders to go in, to be the priest that gets to go inside and offer the incense. What a beautiful opportunity. What a powerful moment. And certainly Zechariah's nerves were on edge. Am I going to do this right? Okay, what's the protocol again? Where's the incense and the fire and Zechariah moves back the curtain and he enters in. He's shaking with nerves and then all of a sudden he is overwhelmed with fear. Because there, standing next to the very altar where he is to offer incense, is an angel of the Lord. Shining bright, it blows him back and he's overcome with fear. Who is this figure? What are they going to do to me? 
Why are they here? What's going on? Well, the angel says to Zechariah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, old man. I have good news for you today. I have good news, Zechariah. See, that longing in your heart for a child, all those prayers that you've offered year after year, night after night, in the midst of your pain and heartache, have been heard. You, Zechariah, you're about to become a dad because I am going to provide a child. In your old age, Elizabeth is going to become pregnant and you will have a child. I've heard your prayers. And Zechariah is, is overwhelmed. What is this angel talking about? And the angel goes on to say, get this, Zechariah, the child that Elizabeth is going to carry and the child that will be born is no ordinary Hebrew child. You're going to have a son. And that son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even while it grows inside of your wife. And when that son is born, you're going to name that son John. And that John is going to be just like Elijah, a prophet to the people. He is going to be the one that Isaiah told us was going to come. He is going to be the voice that cries out in the wilderness, repent for the Messiah is coming. Zechariah, this is good news, brother. Your son is going to be the one that the prophets had told us about. He is the start of the Christmas story. And Zechariah is blown away. He doesn't know what to say. And so he utters, there's no way this is true. How can this be true? I'm an old man. This can't happen. And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I speak for the Lord. And all of this is going to come true. And in that moment, Zechariah cannot even mutter a word because he is unable to speak because he doubted what God could do. And the angel tells him, you won't be able to speak until all of this comes true. And in that moment, Zechariah is overwhelmed. He's frustrated that he doubted God, yet he's full of joy because the fact that he can't speak tells him that something powerful actually just happened. And he believes that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. But where does he go from here? What does he do? Does he run home? Does he run back? Does he, how is he going to communicate to Elizabeth? What is he going to say? He can't say anything. What is he going to write? Well, he fulfills his priestly duties and he makes his way back to his home. Stumbling and trying to communicate to Elizabeth, he tells her that something powerful is going to happen. Well, and sure enough, sure enough, it becomes true. All that is happening, all that the, the angel said was going to happen, actually happens. Elizabeth becomes pregnant. 
And she declares, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Those looks of shame and looks of doubt and the questions about what was going on have all been removed. She is no longer full of disgrace. God has heard. God has answered. God has cared for her. Well, if we fast forward nine months, the baby is born. And tradition would tell the people that they were to name the new baby Zechariah after his father, named after his father. But both Elizabeth and Zechariah say, no, no, no. His name is going to be John. And in that moment, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and his tongue is freed and filled with the Holy Spirit. He prophesies out to the people and he says this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and he and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And then he turns to baby John and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Luke then goes on to tell us that this John, this baby, grew up, became full of the Spirit, strong in the Spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel, calling them to repent and be baptized. What's powerful for me, what, what draws me in to this story is this idea, this this idea, this, this feeling of waiting and expectations that are so present in this story. So much waiting, so much expectation. Christmas is full of waiting and expecting, isn't it? When we were little, like the ones up here, we, were, we saw mom and dad getting the decorations out and we were like, is it time for presents? Let's do this. But we wait and we expect and we have events that were on the calendar ahead of us, right? There's, there's this waiting and this, this, these expectations, and that's so present in the story this morning. On a huge scale, on a big worldly scale, there's this, this waiting that Zechariah was doing. Not simply waiting for a child, but waiting for the Messiah, 
So when Gabriel says, your prayers have been answered, Zechariah, I believe that he wasn't just talking about the child, John, but he was saying, your prayers for the Messiah have been answered. Your prayers, the prayers of your people, all the praying, all the waiting that you've been doing for thousands of years, and all the expectations you had and have for the Messiah, that's all coming true. There's this this global, this this cosmic, this overwhelming waiting that's present in the story, waiting for God to deliver the promised Messiah. All the prophecy about this time from Isaiah and Zephaniah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Zechariah as a priest would know these prophecies and he would be praying that they would come true and he would be waiting for this day to happen. After 400 years of silence, would it come true? What will it be like? Who will the, who will the voice be that calls out from the wilderness? When will that happen? When will the events start? There's this incredible waiting and expectation on this this macro level. But then at the same time, at the same time, this story is full of this, this personal waiting and expectation, right? This individual waiting and expectation. Zechariah and Elizabeth were waiting and praying earnestly for God to deliver. In their shame, in their heartache, they continue to pray, they continue to serve, and they're asking, will it happen, Lord? Will you bless us? Do we keep praying, Lord? Do we keep praying for this? How long do we wait, Lord? Forever? There's this waiting, this this personal waiting that's present in the story. And church, the truth is, is that today we too are a people in waiting. We are a people in waiting. We live in a period of time, the church age, where Christ has come and he ministered on earth and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again, canceling death, opening the door of salvation for us. And now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, but he has promised that he will come again one day. We wait, just like the Israelites in Zechariah's day were waiting for the Messiah to come. We too wait And we long for the day when Christ will return and make all things new and right all the wrongs that we experience and bring peace, true peace on earth. All the chaos and pain and godlessness that we see in our world, we long for the Messiah to return, the second advent where things will be made right the world that feels upside down right now will be turned upright. We are a people in waiting. We are longing for Christ to come and we are praying for his return. But while we wait, there are good works for us to do. Just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we have good works. We continue to expand his kingdom. We share the gospel We work for those who are marginalized and care for them. We grow in our faith. We 
We look to live righteously as we wait. But we are a people in waiting, waiting for the second advent. And like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we are also a people that are are personally waiting. Many of us are carrying significant burdens that we are waiting for God to lift. Many of us have deep longings on our hearts, concerns on our hearts. Personally, many in this room, when I look out, I know many of the names of the faces I see. And I know that many are carrying burdens, waiting for God to heal or waiting for God to provide or waiting for God to answer, waiting for God to relieve them, waiting for God to to set something right that feels so wrong. Like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we too have these personal longings and expectations and things that we are waiting on God for. And church, I know in a room like this that some of those some of those things are really hard. They're really heavy. There's burdens that are, are crushing, longings that are painful to even think about on our hearts. So we too, we, we are people in waiting. We wait for the Messiah to return, but we wait for things personally in our own lives. So what do we do? What do we do with this waiting, these this, this big waiting that we have and these, this personal waiting that's going on in our lives. What do we do? Well, if we look to the text this morning, if we look to Zechariah, we find an answer. And while we wait and while we have these longings and while we serve and while we pray, we rest in the faithfulness and the goodness of God. You see, what Zechariah does when he sees all these answers happening and everything unfolding before him, he declares that God is faithful in the midst of these world-changing events. Zechariah says, A horn of salvation from the house of David has come. This is fulfillment of prophecy that there will be this mighty king, this powerful savior that will come from the line of David. The horn of salvation is just a a declaration of power. He says the Messiah is coming. He hasn't forgotten his covenants. He hasn't forgotten to be merciful to the people of God that he, that started with Abraham. He's going to be merciful to this generation and generations to come. He has not forgotten his covenants. He has not forgotten his people. He has been good and he has been faithful And Zechariah declares, after thousands of years of waiting, the moment is here. God is good. God is faithful. This is the declaration of Zechariah. God is faithful and good, and he will deliver on his promises. As we wait, as we wait for the Messiah to return, as we are active in our faith, we can rest in knowing that God is good and that God is faithful. God will deliver. This world that we are living in, what feels like it's just spinning out of control, nothing could be further from the truth. We need to remind ourselves 
that God is in control, that God knows what's going on, that he is being faithful. There's a song that comes to mind when I say that. You remember the song? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. That went way better than I thought. (laughs) He's got the whole world in his hands. It's such a simple truth, church. But isn't it powerful and beautiful that when we go through life and we look at everything that we want to make right and it feels like the world is spinning out of control, that it's not. He's got the whole world in his hands. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is good. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those that love him and keep his commandments. He is faithful. How about Psalm 119? Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth and it abides. In the longings and the waitings that we have for the world, we know that God is going to be faithful, that God is faithful and that he is good. In the second half of Zechariah's song, he he goes in and he declares the goodness and faithfulness of God at a personal level. He turns to his baby, this brand new baby, and he looks at him with tears streaming down his face and he says, and you, my child, isn't that powerful? Isn't that deep? This old man with his gray beard and his gray hair standing over this baby, he says, and you, child, You will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Zechariah is saying, God, you have been faithful and good to me personally. You have answered the longings of my heart. And more than that, not only is this going to be my son, he's going to be the one that has been prophesied about to lead the people to the Messiah. What a blessing for this priest. What an answer over and above what Zechariah could ever even imagine, this child. And church, I know that we want answers like that as well, don't we? We want answers like that, don't we? Where where God answers that deep longing that we have and that, that prayer that we keep offering over and over. And church, I wish I could tell you that no matter what, God will always answer exactly the way that you expect or exactly the way that you want. And I can't offer that this morning because we all know that prayers often go unanswered, longings go on. But that doesn't mean that we stop praying. It doesn't mean that we stop trusting in God's goodness and his faithfulness because many of those Things, many of those things that we long for, many of those things that we ask for will be answered and will come true in God's timing. And we rest knowing that God has a good plan for us 
that in that longing we should, we should draw closer to him. Those prayers should draw us closer to him. Where he can know our hearts, be close to us in our lives. I want to give you encouragement this morning. Personally, I want to give you encouragement for whatever you're carrying. And I can offer words that do that. Pastors are good at just talking. I can offer words, right? And my words would be helpful to some degree, but it's God's word, I think, that we really need to hear this morning about who we are in him and about what he has done for us and what he thinks of us. So let me read some scripture this morning. If you want, you can close your eyes. Let these verses just wash over you and fill you and encourage you. The first one is from 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You feel strained or abandoned or left. You are God's child. You are his child. That is what God thinks of you, and he has lavished his love, a good father lavishing his love on his children. James 5, 10 and 11 says this, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, they counted as blessings those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. How about Psalm 34? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He is close to you if you feel brokenhearted this morning. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. God knows what's going on in your very soul. God is good, church. God was good when he provided the Messiah. He was good to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he will be good to us. We should rest in his goodness and his faithfulness this morning. Let me pray for us. God, your word strikes me um, this morning in a powerful way. And I think about you moving in the lives of ordinary people like Zechariah and Elizabeth, to bring these, um, these world-changing things, to, to fulfill prophecy and to care for the world and to care for people. I'm struck, even, even standing here right now, God, about how good you are, how faithful and just and kind you are. 
Lord, I pray that we will not feel distant from you, that that we will feel close to you through your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection that brings us freedom. It's in his name we pray. Amen.